Uh, we are glad that you're, you're here today, and this is the time in our, our worship we dismiss our kids for Children's Church, so they'll head out that direction. That's for uh, kids ages three years old through second grade, and so if you've got one in that age group, uh, they can head out that direction, and um, I think that one still says first grade, but it's second now, so they can head out that way. It's a, across the, the walkway in the other building over there. We've also got a a cry room, uh, or excuse me, a nursery over there, as Zoe said at the morning, uh, at the beginning, and a cry room in the back. So if you need any of those, you can take advantage of those. Um, so really, uh, really with our temperature in here, what we like to do is simulate Texas weather. So <laughs> too hot, and then too cold, and just kind of we go go back and forth. So we try to try to make you feel at home in this in this space. Um, but we're we're glad that you're. You're here this morning. Uh, if you're visiting with us, we're, we're glad that you're, you're here and that you've uh, made time to, to join us and, and come be with us for worship today. Uh, today's going to be a little different, uh, especially if it's your, your first time here. The sermon will be a little different um, in that it'll be more kind of informational about some of our uh, kind of goals and ideas and plans for the coming year uh, and, and beyond, hopefully, uh, as we uh, are calling this... Uh, uh, our 2020 vision, so to speak, taking advantage of the year. Uh, there were some things that we wanted to kind of be intentional about and we wanted to look ahead to, and so we thought this would be a good time uh, to really lay out some, some vision stuff for us as a church and, and some things we want to be about, some things we want to do, some things we want to focus on. And, and so that's what we're going to kind of be thinking about this morning. And so it'll be a little more informational than a typical sermon will, uh, but uh, I hope that it'll be beneficial for you in that way, especially if you're new to our congregation. This will give you uh, hopefully a good picture of, of who we are and some things we want to be focused on, some things we want to, um, to pay attention to in, in the coming weeks, months, years, things like that. Uh, but next week, we are going to begin a new sermon series entitled Kingdom Living. And in that series, we're going we're gonna to take a, a long look at the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is, is the longest recorded teaching of Jesus that we have in Scripture. It's in Matthew 5 through 7. And so we're going to spend several weeks uh, in that sermon, uh, going through it, looking at what Jesus has to say to us there. Uh, to me, the Sermon on the Mount is like, it's, it's the perfect sermon in many ways from a preacher's perspective. Jesus gave it, so it must be pretty good, you know. Um, but it's, it's got humor in it. It's funny. It's encouraging. Uh, it's challenging. Um, and the, one of the things I really like in it is that Jesus is an equal opportunity offender in the story, uh, in the sermon. Like, you can't leave that sermon and think, nope, I've got it all figured out. I'm doing all that well. Like, he doesn't leave any, he, he steps on everyone's toes pretty equally. <laughs> um, but he also challenges uh, and encourages uh, and, and I think tries to make us laugh along the way in ways that may not always be um, immediately obvious. I'm going to lower this a little bit. Uh, so I hope you'll come and join us for that. It's a We'll be kind of picking it apart and going through it piece by piece, but I think it's also because it's a, a, a sermon, it's good to read it in one sitting, and you really get a picture of what Jesus is getting at if you just sit down and read it. It's, it's not too long, so it's three chapters, so I would encourage you the next week or two to, to sit down, uh, read those chapters, and, and, and listen to what Jesus is doing through that sermon. Uh, so that'll begin next week. Uh, but as I said, today... We're going to look at, at some of our goals, plans, and ideas for, for 2020 and beyond in discussion of our, our 2020 vision. And so we'll get to some of the specifics of that, but we're going to begin with um, an overview of this kind of story in Acts 
that, that at its kind of height ends up with Paul uh, being referred to by a bunch of people as Hermes. And so if you don't know how we get there, this is going to be the story of how we get there. Uh, so there's this big meeting that happens in Acts 15. Acts is the story of, of the early church and kind of some of the stories and happenings of the early church. And so there's this big meeting that happens in Acts 15 because a lot of the, the lead up to Acts 15 is about this struggle that the church is going through in incorporating Gentile believers into the church, into the kind of the body of Christ, as we would call it. Uh, and so you've got this tension and this struggle because a lot of Jewish people feel like it should just be for us. Um, and, and the way to, to holiness and righteousness is still in following the law. Uh, and so we're going to keep to the law, we're going to keep this amongst us as the Jews, and, and that's it. And then you've got other people who are trying to extend it to Gentiles and saying, no, Jesus actually came to, to free us from this kind of uh, restrictive nature of the law, and we're not bound by that anymore, and we're going to extend this out beyond our circle. And this creates unbelievable tension. And all that tension kind of starts with, with this persecution that, ba- that breaks out in Jerusalem, where a man named Stephen uh, is preaching. He ends up getting stoned and killed, and this leads to this just kind of chaos in Jerusalem. Persecution against the believers breaks out, and the Jewish believers begin to scatter all over the region and area, all the way out from Jerusalem to, uh, into, out into some Gentile areas. And so as they go out into these Gentile areas, again, a lot of these Jewish people, they begin to spread the news about Jesus as they go, but only to fellow Jewish people. But there's one group of people who go to this town called Antioch, and they get there, and they start talking to Greeks, to Gentiles as well. And so this is kind of the, the, the movement, the moment that kind of kicks off a lot of this, this tension, because now what are we going to do? Now we're not just Jewish people trying to figure this out. Now we're Jewish people, Greek people, Gentiles. We're trying to figure out what this looks like to worship Jesus together. Um, and so they're, they're trying to figure that out in Antioch. And so the Jewish people, the leaders in, in Jerusalem hear about that. They send this guy Barnabas up to say, we want you to go check this out. Uh, so Barnabas goes to check it out. He recruits the help of Paul to go with him. Uh, ironically enough, Paul is one that really kind of set in motion a lot of the persecution, and now he's the one who's got to come in and try to figure out what life looks like after that, after his conversion. Uh, I know we're skipping like a lot in here, so if you want to go back and read it later, Acts, we're picking up about Acts 9, and you can read from there on. It's a really fascinating story, but we're just going to hit some highlights of kind of one thread of this story. Uh, We're a little bit past Acts 9, but that's kind of where some of this sort of begins to, uh, to come together. Uh, so Paul and Barnabas go to Antioch, and if you can put that map up here, uh, Jamie, this is Antioch, I don't have my clicker this morning, but this is Antioch over here in the, in the bottom right corner over here, as you can see in what is count now kind of sort of the, the Middle East, uh, Syria area. That's where they're starting out. Uh, they're there for about a year before they go back to Jerusalem, then they come back to Antioch, and then Paul and Barnabas embark on this, this journey to preach the gospel and, and to share the good news of Christ with some of these areas over here, as you see in Galatia. Uh, and they've got this specific purpose and mission as they go to preach to Jews and Gentiles um, and do this radical thing of trying to bring together Jews and Gentiles under the lordship and the messiahship of Jesus. Uh, it's something that doesn't necessarily sound very radical to us. I know in our current context, but we're going to get a glimpse in this story of just how radical it was. Uh, so, 
one of the first places that we hear them preaching about is, wait, go back to that one real quick. Sorry, Jamie. Is in another town called Antioch, which is really confusing, I know. There's a lot of Antiochs. It was a common name in, in ancient times. But this is uh, Antioch uh, Pisidia, which you see up there. That's in kind of modern-day Turkey area. So that's where they start. Barnabas and Paul are going to start this kind of preaching journey there. Uh, and so they get there. Paul preaches to what he calls or what Luke refers to as children of Abraham and God-fearing Gentiles. So he gets there, he's doing this, but again, a lot of the Jewish people don't really like this idea of, of extending the message to Gentiles. So a lot of the Jewish leaders there end up stirring up so much persecution against Paul and Barnabas that they get expelled from the region. Uh, so they have to leave. They leave that Antioch, and Luke, who's the writer of Acts, tells us that they shook the dust off their feet and went to Iconium. So they end up in Iconium now. There, uh, same thing happens. Paul begins to preach. Some believe, some don't. You've got this mixture of people, some who are kind of buying what he's saying, some who aren't. Uh, But then we're told, again by Luke, that some of the Jews who refused to believe poisoned the minds of a lot of the people in Iconium to the point that a plot develops to mistreat and stone Paul and Barnabas. So they catch wind of this, and they've got to leave. And Luke tells us they leave this city of Iconium, basically a divided city. Because uh, now you've got people who are, who are buying what Paul and Barnabas are saying, and those who don't, to such an extent, they're, they're trying to stone them. Um, I think it's tempting for us to sometimes think that we live in the most divided and, and kind of polarized time in the history of the world. We look around, and that's all we see, right, is, is division and polarization. And it's true. Uh, there certainly is that. Um, but that's been a part of human life. For a long, long time. Um, competing messages just divide people, especially around politics and religion, and, and in, especially in Jewish life, those two were completely intertwined. Um, and so you can imagine how this would lead to some issues uh, as they're going about trying to figure out what this looks like. Uh, so they try to stone Paul and Barnabas. They find out about it. So Paul and Barnabas leave, and they go to Lystra. And this is where I think things really get fascinating. Uh, So they get to Lystra, and Paul finds this guy who's lame and can't walk, and he heals him. Tells him, get up, walk. So he does. He gets up and walk, and all the people looking around say, this is incredible. This is amazing. We should worship these two guys. (laughs) And so they begin to call uh, Barnabas Zeus and Paul Hermes, because this is a a Greek-influenced area. So they begin to call them Greek gods. And Luke tells us they called Paul Hermes, because he was the messenger for the group. Hermes is a Greek messenger, uh, God, God of kind of a, a divine messenger in, in Greek mythology. Um, and so if it seems like Paul's always the one who does the talking as you go through Acts, other people thought that too. So like, we'll call him Hermes because he talks a lot. <laughs> uh, and so Barnabas and Paul find out about this, and they begin to tear their clothing. They're so upset. Uh, they say, no, we're, we're not doing this for, for our glory. We're not gods. We're pointing you towards God. You've missed the point of what we're trying to do. Uh, and so they're going around trying to tell people this. But Luke tells us that everyone else is so convinced that they're gods that no matter what Paul and Barnabas do, they can't stop people from making sacrifices to them. So you've got this wild scene of this, this town of people who are so enthralled by their message that they're giving them names of Greek gods and are making sacrifices to them. And so this is the point in the story where you're thinking, 
all right, they've kind of got the wrong idea, but at least things are going better, right? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'd rather be called a Greek god than someone trying to stone me. Like, that's, that's the more desirable outcome. Um, until, though, they've been in Lystra, they've got this going on, there's a group, there's a mob that has now gathered of people from Antioch and Iconium that are following Paul and Barnabas. They get to Lystra. They do the same thing they did in Iconium. They poison the minds of the people against Paul and Barnabas. And then it's like overnight it flips. And Luke just tells us, so they stoned Paul, took him out of the city, left him on the side of the road because they thought he was dead. It's like, what? (laughs) That happened fast. (laughs) In the words of Ron Burgundy, that escalated quickly. Um, We just went from sacrificing stuff to you. uh, We went from sacrificing stuff to you because we thought you were a god to literally stoning you, thinking you were dead, and just going back to the city thinking, all right, good, that's over. Uh, And so to to make things even crazier, this is where I think sometimes we just read through Scripture. It's just kind of words on the page. It just kind of sounds, we just kind of disconnected from it in some ways. Um, But so they stone Paul leave him for dead. And here's the very next verse, because I think it gives us this great picture of Paul. This is Acts 14, 20. Uh, It says, but after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derbe. Okay, let me just just say this. I don't don't think I'm going to say anything controversial enough today to get stoned. I don't think so. I hope not. I have confidence none of you are going to stone me. If you do, I'm not going anywhere tomorrow. (laughs) I will be in bed for like a month. I'll be at Scott and White for about a month probably. If if I get stoned today to the point that you're just like, yep, he's dead, we can go. I'm not getting up anywhere that day, and I'm certainly not traveling tomorrow, right? But Paul's just like, all right, next stop, here we go. (laughs) And they keep going. And, and I think that's just, I think that's incredible. Um, and so I just, I wonder as I read that verse, uh, how dedicated to something do you have to be in order to get up from a stoning in which the people who stoned you thought you were dead, go back into that city, be like, nope, you missed, like, <laughs> sorry, here I am. Go back into the city, spend the night there, and then get up the next day and say, we got to go do some more preaching. We'll go to the next stop. And just get up and keep going. Um, it's nuts. It's insane. And if you read through Paul and Barnabas' story, uh, you, can't notice, you can't help but notice this, this intense commitment and dedication that they have to their cause and to their purpose and their mission. And it is all connected to the presence and the activity of the Spirit within them, within their ministry, uh, and within the churches that they are working with. Uh, It's it's all connected to that. If you read through this section of chapters, repeatedly there's talk about they're filled with the Spirit, they're led by the Spirit, uh, the Spirit is sending them here, the Spirit is doing this over and over and over and over again. And, And especially for Paul, Paul had this nice life as this influential person in Jewish culture where people respected him, feared him. Uh, he had a position of, of, of authority. And now he's getting stoned and left for dead, who knows where, out in the middle of Turkey. Um, and he keeps going with joy, led by the Spirit, 
because of this connection um, and, and awareness that he has of the work of the Spirit in his life. And I think that's incredible, and I think that's an incredible message for us. Because what we learn through all this is that kingdom work that yields lasting fruit is often strenuous, time-consuming, and exhausting. And the early Christians recognized that not only was that a possibility, but it was a necessary part of the process of living as citizens of the kingdom. Uh, so, for instance, they, they, uh, Paul and Barnabas go, they visit Derby, um, and after that, they go right back to these three cities that they've left this, this wake of, of chaos and division um, and polarization and, and everything else. They've just left, left these three cities in a mess, basically. So they leave Derby and they go right back through all those places. There's just no fear. Like, yeah, I got stoned there. Let's go back. Uh, so they go back, and as they do, the people told them, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. In other words... Yeah, it's rough here. <laughs> uh, you kind of made a mess of things. Um, it's, it's difficult now, but we understand why we're doing this, and we're good with it, um, and we understand what the Spirit is doing and what's going on here. And all of that work that Paul and Barnabas are doing is an attempt to spread the gospel and, and the work of the church beyond kind of the, the borders, so to speak, of the Jewish people to, to include Gentiles in this kingdom, in this, in this tent of believers. Uh, and that has a lot to do with the opposition that they face along the way. And all of that then kind of comes to a head in Acts 15. So in Acts 15, you've got a lot of these believers who are now going to Jerusalem with their issues and complaints. They're saying, wait a minute, these guys are out here telling people uh, they don't have to follow all these laws that we've been following. Um, and, and we think that if the Gentiles are going to come in and be part of us, the least they can do is keep their laws, right? Uh, these are sort of the people who would be like, this is, this is the way I grew up, and so you have to too, right? Uh, I grew up walking uphill both ways into school, you know, in snow. You know, we've all heard those stories, right? So uh, growing up, it was hard for me, so it needs to be hard for you too. That's kind of what these people kind of sound like. Uh, we had to do all this stuff growing up, so they have to too. They can't get off easy. Uh, so they're coming to the, to the Jewish leaders with that. And meanwhile, others like Paul and Barnabas are saying, no, that was the whole point of Christ's message and resurrection is tearing down borders and, and barriers, and, and, and this isn't the way that we need to go about doing things. So this is a foundational issue that cuts to the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and someone who does the will of God. So they go back and forth. People kind of from each side present their thoughts, their arguments. Um, and then James, who's the brother of Jesus, kind of puts all of it to an end, basically. And he gives this speech, and, and it comes to this, this kind of culminating moment when he says, all right, based on all this stuff, we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. We should not make it difficult, he says. Uh, and, and so Paul and Barnabas, some of the advocates of this very position that, that James is taking, are sitting here amongst this group. Uh, and we've just gone through a very, very brief and, and quick summary uh, and a, a brief look at just one piece of how difficult this was for Paul and Barnabas, right? Like when they hear James say, we shouldn't make it difficult, I wonder if Paul and Barnabas are just thinking about all the difficulties they've had already, right? 
I mean, this has not been easy for Paul and Barnabas. This has been anything but easy. This has been difficult. And so they're thinking, they can think one of two things, right? No, if it's been difficult for us, it needs to be difficult for you. Or they can be the type of leaders who are going to say, no, we've paved this path of difficulty so that others can come behind us, and it's not as hard for them. Because we want things to be better for those who are coming behind us. That seems to be the attitude that they have. Uh, And so... We are reminded then in this story that that breaking new ground is hard, that new ventures take time and energy and resources. Uh, And so James and Peter before him are telling the rest of the leaders here in Jerusalem, look, this is going to be hard enough as it is. Uh, Let's not make it any harder than it needs to be. Let's not add barriers to something that's already going to be difficult. Let's create on-ramps instead of setting up barriers. And so we as a church want to be a place that creates on-ramps for involvement and participation in ministry and church life. And our hope is that our efforts this year and beyond help create more on-ramps for involving our current members in ministry efforts, for connecting new families to family life, and for increasing our presence in the community. Uh, We want to be a, a place that removes as many barriers as possible between people in Christ, between people uh, and serving in the kingdom, uh, because we recognize this kingdom stuff is hard work. Uh, and so the more that we can do as a church to remove barriers and create on-ramps, uh, I think uh, we are following the example of the early church and being in tune with the Spirit and being responsive to the work of the Spirit. Uh, because we want to be a church that is responsive to the work and the movement of the Spirit, just as we see throughout Acts. We want to be a people who take on postures of prayer, submission, and discernment so that we have eyes eyes to see and ears to hear the prompting and leading of the Spirit. We believe that God has equipped and positioned our church well for ministry, and we want to be faithful uh, to the leading and the calling that we believe uh, that He has put on us then in that way. Uh, So, what does all this mean then for our, our 2020 vision? What is the vision itself. So those are good questions. I thought you'd never ask. So here's, here's what it means. <laughs> uh, we're going to do some of this briefly. We're going to continue this conversation in class where we're going to do a lot of this kind of more conversationally where you can give feedback, give input, ask questions, all that fun stuff. But I'm going to give you kind of the encapsulated version now. Uh, and like I said, I know this is, this is just a ton of information just spewing out at you this morning. And so... Um, We're going to also send out some of this through email if you need kind of a refresher later this week. Uh, So what does it mean? So the vision really is built around, our kind of vision for what we're hoping to accomplish this year is really built around a couple of key elements. Uh, The first one of those is on focusing on five areas of ministry that we believe to be important for growth, discipleship, and just our overall church uh, kind of structure and organization. So those five ministries are children's ministry, youth ministry, community involvement, finance and budget, and buildings and grounds. And I'll come back to explaining all that in just a minute. Uh, The second aspect of that vision is that we want to involve more members in every level of ministry planning, coordination, and execution, while also expanding on leadership opportunities within the body. So those two things are kind of the two encapsulating pieces. Uh, So, how are we going to go about implementing that? What does that mean for for things that we're going to do, things we want to be about, all that kind of stuff? 
And this is where I get to share some, uh, several things that, that we are really excited about, that I'm really excited about, uh, that we think could have big ramifications on, on how we do ministry and, and what we do and the effectiveness on our, on our ministry efforts. Uh, because I think what, what often happens, and we've recognized, especially with a church our size, that doesn't necessarily, sometimes there are places where we're kind of lacking structure, lacking people who are kind of champions or ministry leaders over certain areas, that there are, have been a lot of things that have just kind of been sitting on the back burner for a while. And then every once in a while, they kind of pop up and someone says, you know, we, we should really do something about, I don't know, the thermostats in the auditorium, you know. <laughs> and then they... It sits there for a while, kind of undone, because no one is really kind of thinking about that all the time. Uh, or, man, you know, our children's ministry curriculum, uh, it, we, we've kind of, it, it could use a revamping. It could use some tweaking. What do we, what do, we do with that? And it just kind of sits there because no one ever really takes that on. So that was part of the kind of precipitating factor for some of this. Um, but, but we think this could have some... Some, uh, some big ramifications and just implications on how we do ministry, what we do, and several things that we're excited about doing. Uh, so all of these items in, uh, that I'm going to share with you are connected to one of those two elements uh, that, are, that are on this screen right now, these, ide- these ideas of focusing on these five ministries uh, and involving more people in, in ministry leadership uh, and church leadership. And so I'll start with one that, that you may already know about if you've been with us, if you've been around, uh, and that is that we have entered into a partnership with the leadership of Agape Preschool, which is a twice-a-week Christ-centered preschool now hosted by our church in our facilities. And we see this as a great way to be more actively involved in our community uh, and serve families in our area. We also see it as a missional opportunity to share the love of Christ with young children and, by extension, their families. And so classes for that preschool begin this Tuesday, and we are glad to and excited to report that they had their registration on Thursday of last week, and they registered 48 kids. Uh, so that's a lot of kids. Yeah. Uh, and so we'll have 48 kids in our building twice a week, and, and what a great opportunity um, that is. And, and if you want kind of example of, of what we kind of feel like just tangible way of what it looks like to be open to the movement of the Spirit, uh, I think that's it. Because we had kind of landed on these areas of focus, uh, but we didn't know exactly what it was going to look like in certain areas. And then we had this opportunity for this school just kind of fall in our lap, like, here's a ready-made preschool. Do you want it in your building? Um, and so because we knew the things we wanted to be focused on and we knew that we were open to being surprised by God in the ways that he was moving, uh, it happened incredibly quickly. <laughs> and I told Ashley the whole time, I said, churches don't move this quickly just, you know, because Ashley's a, uh, a teacher at the school, uh, full disclosure. So, <laughs> so I kind of had a dog in the fight, but <laughs> I said, churches don't always move this quickly. So it may not happen by January. And now on Tuesday, we're having classes in the other building uh, and so uh, it's incredible, and I think it's a testament to our church, to our people, to our leadership, that it, we just kind of said, all right, yeah, let's do it, and, and we went. Uh, so, so that's kind of the first piece of it. Also, the elders and I have, have talked for a while about a desire to add to our, our leadership and our eldership. And I looked back, and the first conversation that we actually had about this, after I was here at least, was in February of 2018. And so it's been on our hearts and minds for a while, something, again, that we've just kind of continued to talk about and think about and pray about uh, as we thought about uh, this coming year and our future in general. 
And so the person that we unanimously thought would be a great fit for the role of elder within our church family was Jason Martin. Uh, And so, yeah, you can clap for that too. You can say yeah. (laughs) So we have invited uh, Jason Martin. The elders have invited Jason to, to come on board as an elder. He has accepted that invitation and let us know that he would be honored to serve in that way and is excited uh, about um, serving in that way and leading that way within our church. And we are very excited about that as well. If you don't know Jason, Jason, uh, if you were here last week, this is Jason over here. Uh, And so Jason was the one who preached last week, actually, uh, if you were here last week. And uh, we're we're excited about what we believe he can add to our, our leadership and the ways in which his gifts and talents can be a blessing to our church in in the role of elder. Uh, We are also going to continue to staff the position of family life resident in 2020. Uh, That was a role that Katie Ann held until the end of of 2019. And our plan is to have someone in place by the beginning of the summer. And in the meantime, parents and others interested in in that ministry will fill in some of the gaps. Uh, We're actually going to have a meeting about that next week during class time if you're interested in kind of helping out with that or having a voice in that. Uh, And then in uh, in that kind of time period, we're also going to use some of the funds that would have gone towards that position to help build up some of the resources uh, and things like that uh, that we want to build up within our youth and children's ministries. Uh, One of the biggest shifts in ministry structure that we're going to begin work with immediately is to create five ministry leadership teams uh, to lead the efforts of those five ministry focus areas for 2020. Uh, Three of those areas, being children's ministry, youth ministry, and community involvement, represent the primary ministry areas that we really want to focus on in 2020. We want those to to kind of be the the core, the priority of our focus and what we're doing, uh, what we're putting our resources toward in in 2020. Uh, And and let me just say briefly here, that's not to say that that we think that other things are not important. There are other ministries that that we think are thriving and working well. Our our worship ministry, our small group ministry, things like that are are going well. Uh, It's not to say we don't think those are not important. But again, all those kind of things are either functioning the way they are, uh, or they have leadership and structure in place, uh, or we at least didn't think they needed kind of structural change to bring about the, the type of, of outcomes and results that, that we were hoping to see in the future. So again, to say that these are going to kind of be priority for us doesn't mean that we think other things aren't important. Uh, but those three, as far as ministry goes, will kind of be the three primary areas of focus, children's youth and community involvement. Uh, the other two areas then are, uh, the other two areas that I'd mentioned are budget and finances and then buildings and grounds. And we are thinking about those two ministries uh, sort of as support ministries. Uh, and what I mean by that, uh, if you just kind of want to think about it this way, is when people are looking for a, a church home, for instance, no one says, I want to go to a church that has a great budget ministry. Like that's just not something you think about. Um, or really looking for. I've never heard anyone say that. Maybe a CPA or someone would, <laughs> would think that way. Um, and so, but they're, they're incredibly important to the functioning of the church and to the realizing of the mission uh, and vision of the church. Uh, we, we think both of those areas have a huge part uh, in fulfilling uh, our, our vision and our mission uh, of who we want to be and helping us to look forward and to be proactive in how we go about uh, approaching some of these other ministries. And so we see these as ministries that have a crucial role in providing support and structure uh, to all the other ministries of our church so that they can thrive and accomplish their goals. So those are going to be, again, the five areas of focus 
for 2020, and there will be a ministry uh, leadership team put in place for each of those areas. And each team will have an elder or a minister uh, on it, serving on that, that team, that committee, uh, serving alongside other members. And so one final area then that we haven't touched on a lot yet is the area of facilities. And uh, we're going to be making several facility uh, updates and improvements in 2020. Uh, some of those will sim- simply be repairs that, again, we've just kind of known have been there for a while and, and kind of haven't been, been done. Uh, the preschool is also going to precipitate some of that movement. Uh, some of the ladies have already done an amazing job of, of cleaning out a lot of the stuff in, in the other building, in the workroom. Uh, Terry's been up here doing a lot of stuff, getting stuff ready for the school. Other people I know have been doing stuff. Um, there's also new ovens that have been ordered to replace the broke ones in the kitchen. So if you've been excited about new ovens, those are on the way. They'll be here later this month. Um, and there, there will be other projects and repairs that will happen throughout the year uh, or that are at least going to be planned throughout this year for future consideration. And again, a lot of that will come with the, with the school um, and things that the school is doing. You, 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 you can, uh, we've already mentioned before the, the play area back here has already been removed and the new uh, play area is going to be installed in its place. That's something that, uh, that the school is really going to take kind of leadership on and, um, and, and direction on that aspect of it with, with input and um, uh, and kind of thoughts from us as well, of course, but they'll kind of be the leading force and, and funding uh, behind that effort. Uh, but then also one of the other uh, kind of initial projects that, that we're excited about and first ones that we're going to try to tackle is a reimagining of our atrium area here between our two buildings that is just kind of dead space right now. <laughs> uh, literally, grass doesn't grow there. It's just dead uh, sitting there. And so we're going to do a reimagining of that space in order to create an area that is intentionally useful and inviting. Uh, we're envisioning it as a place to, to gather before and after worship, a place where, where small groups can meet, a place for reflection, meditation, or prayer, uh, and a place that is a visual representation of, of what we believe uh, our church family to be, which is one that is welcoming, uh, inviting, uh, and, and gracious. And so uh, that, that'll be, uh, plans for that will begin soon, and we'll have more to share what that'll look like. But uh, you'll be seeing several, uh, hopefully, kind of facility improvements, repairs, things like that, that, that may happen this year, um, again, but also that plans will be put in place kind of for some of those things going forward. Uh, Okay, so that's a lot. (laughs) It's a lot of information, I know, for one Sunday, a lot to kind of throw out at you. Uh, We believe, I believe it's a lot of exciting activity that we're looking forward to in the coming year. Uh, January for us, it's it's always kind of easy for us to mark our time here because we started January 1st uh, two years ago. So we're entering into our third year um, in ministry here, and we are just, we're, we're thrilled. We continue to be thrilled to be a part of this church family, uh, continue to be um, so uh, thankful for the ways in which you have uh, supported and encouraged us as a family, and, and especially, as I've said repeatedly, through Ashley's injury and, and all that uh, recovery through the, through the second part of this year. Um, and so I believe this is just going to be a great and exciting year of ministry um, and, and of growth and, and of worship for us as a church community, and, and hope that, that you are excited excited about that as well. Um, and so a couple of things then as we close out, uh, we are going to have a, this morning a ministry, we've got a ministry interest form 
that we invite you to take, to fill out. Uh, we're going to send it out this week in email as well. If you'd rather fidget it, fill it out digitally, fill it out online, you can do that. Uh, but we've got that form available because we do want to uh, involve people uh, in all areas of ministry life. And so uh, you can respond to things on that form. At the top of that form are kind of some specific uh, needs uh, that, that, that we know of right now that we're looking for, for people to fill right now. And then the bottom of that form uh, are just kind of general areas of interest, all of uh, uh, which are some four of which in there represent four of those areas that we, that we talked about focusing on in the coming year. Uh, which the, the children's youth, community involvement, and, and facilities and grounds are all on, on there as potential places to, to get involved and be plugged in. So we've got that out there. And then, as I said, uh, we'll all be combined in the fellowship hall after this for, for class and for discussion there. Uh, and so as we close this time, though, I want to pull our, our attention back to, uh, to conversation about the Spirit because uh, it's the leading of the Spirit that, that we see working throughout the book of Acts and propelling Paul and Barnabas and all the others that we see there to ministry um, and, and to, to pushing themselves outside of their comfort zone and to trying to discern what, what does this look like now in our context, uh, in the ways that we're trying to, to live this out and to live out the ministry um, and the work of Jesus. How do we go about doing that? Uh, and, and again, we're striving to do that as a church, as a church family, and I want to encourage each of us as individuals, uh, as people, as families, to be doing the same in our own lives, uh, to be people who are open to the directing, the prompting, and the leading of the Spirit. And as the band comes back on stage and we prepare to, to share in communion together this morning, uh, that we will be encouraged to be people who take on postures and spirits of, of receptiveness to the work of the Spirit in our own lives, and to recognize our need for God and His presence in our lives. Uh, we are reminded of, of those things, I, I think, and I hope, each Sunday in communion. Each Sunday, as we share communion, we remember Christ, and we remember His, his life, and His death, and His resurrection. And as Paul says it, we proclaim His death until He comes again. And I think what we do in that is we remember our need for Christ. We remember our call to live into the story of Jesus in our own lives, in our own individual lives, in our lives collect collectively as a church family, as a body of Christ, that, that we live in the story of Jesus and the ministry of Jesus. And may we be led by the Spirit uh, in, in seeking to live that out in our lives each and every day. So let's be reminded of that as we stand and sing and then as we share in communion together this morning. Thank you.
you remain standing, we'll pray our prayer of confession together before we share in communion. And I'll pray the parts uh, in white, and then collectively we'll pray the parts in yellow. Father, we confess to each other and to you, our Creator, that we fall short of being what we were created to be and what we have committed ourselves to be. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of Christ. We often seek out the easiest paths, paths of least involvement in places where we might be uncomfortable or paths of self-centeredness. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of righteousness. We confess that we have not loved you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Bring us out of darkness, Lord, and into the light of your love. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of light. Forgive us for getting so caught up in the world's trappings and its false messages of hope that we lose sight of the hope of the kingdom, which brings healing and peace to a world in turmoil. Hear us, forgive us, renew our resolve to build the kingdom of peace. May we resolve to become more kingdom-minded, to be peacemakers here and now. Amen. You may be seated.